Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's an op- uh, tab called Lesson Sign Up where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email from the Course in Miracles Society that includes both the text reading that we share together as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of the Manual for Teachers. Today we're reading Who Are Their Pupils? Section number two. And section number three, what are the levels of teaching? Two and three in the Manual for Teachers. We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 338. I am affected only by my thoughts. I am affected only by my thoughts. And by way of opening this morning, I know I shared this poem once before. It was actually such an important poem in its time was awarded the Nobel Prize. Very long poem called Gitanjali by Rabindranath Tagore. And this is just one stanza that I think says it all about these thoughts. When the mind is without fear and the head is held high, where knowledge is free, where the world has not been broken up into fragments by narrow domestic walls, where words come out from the depth of truth, where tireless striving stretches its arms toward perfection, where the clear stream of reason has not lost its way into the dreary desert sand of dead habit, where the mind is led forward by thee into ever-widening thought and action, into that heaven of freedom, my Father. Let my country awake. Reading that poem, um, where country is that realm of mind, this morning, let my country awake. Since I am affected only by my thoughts, amen. Oh, thank you so much. That was good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful poem. Very long, long poem, Gitanjali. Um, anyway, thanks, friend. Thanks for letting me share that this morning. And here is our reading list. Today we have Lemoyne, Fran, and Jessica. And we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison, Judy, and Wendy. So, with that little crowd, we'll set out this morning in section number two in the Manual for Teachers, who are their pupils. A lot of interesting concepts in this section. Who are their pupils? Certain pupils have been assigned to each of God's teachers, and they will begin to look for him as soon as he has answered the call. 
They were chosen for him because the form of the universal curriculum that he will teach is best for them in view of their level of understanding. His pupils have been waiting for him, for his coming is certain. Again, it is only a matter of time. Once he has chosen to fulfill his role, they are ready to fulfill theirs. Time waits on his choice, but not on whom he will serve. When he is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. Uh, Lemoyne. Thank you, Manual for Teachers. Section 2, who are their pupils? Who are their pupils? Certain pupils have been assigned to each of God's teachers, and they will begin to look for him as soon as he has answered the call. They were chosen for him because the form of the universal curriculum that he will teach is best for them in view of their level of understanding. His pupils have been waiting for him, for his coming is certain. Again, it is only a matter of time. Once he has chosen to fulfill his role, they are ready to fulfill theirs. Time waits on his choice, but not on whom he will serve. When he is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. In order to understand the teaching-learning plan of salvation, it is necessary to grasp the concept of time which the Course sets forth. Atonement corrects illusion, not the truth. Therefore, it corrects what never was. Further, the plan for this correction was established and completed simultaneously for the will of God is entirely apart from time. So is all reality being of him. The instant the idea of separation entered the mind of God's son, in that same instant was God's answer given. In time, this happened very long ago. In reality, it never happened at all. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran, two. In order to understand the teaching learning plan of salvation, <clears throat> excuse me, it is necessary to grasp the concept of time which the Course sets forth. Atonement corrects illusions, not the truth. Therefore, it corrects what never was. Further, the plan for this correction was established and created simultaneously, for the will of God is entirely apart from time. So is all reality, being of him. The instant the idea of separation entered the mind of God's son, in that same instant was God's answer given. In time, this happened very long ago. In reality, it never happened at all. 3. The world of time is the world of illusion. What happened long ago seems to be happening now. 
Choices made long since appear to be open, yet to be made. What has been learned and understood and long ago passed by is looked upon as a new thought, a fresh idea, a different approach. Because your will is free, you can accept what has already happened at any time you choose, and only then will you realize that it was always there. As the Course emphasizes, you are not free to choose the curriculum or even the form in which you will learn it. You are free, however, to decide when you want to learn it. And as you accept it, it is already learned. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jessica. <clears throat> Paragraph three. The world of time is the world of illusion. What happened long ago seems to be happening now. Choices made long since appear to be open, yet to be made. What has been learned and understood and long ago passed by is looked upon as a new thought, a fresh idea, a different approach. Because your will is free, you can accept what has already happened at any time you choose. And only then will you realize that it was always there. <clears throat> As the Course emphasizes, you are not free to choose the curriculum or even the form in which you will learn it. You are free, however, to decide when you want to learn it. And as you accept it, it is already learned. Thank you. Four, time really, then, goes backward to an instant so ancient that it is beyond all memory and past even the possibility of remembering. Yet because it is an instant that is relived again and again, and still again, it seems to be now. And thus it is that pupil and teacher seem to come together in the present, finding each other as if they had not met before. The pupil comes at the right time to the right place. This is inevitable because he made the right choice in that ancient instant which he now relives. So has the teacher, too, made an inevitable choice out of an ancient past. God's will in everything but seems to take time in the working out. What could delay the power of eternity? Ah. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for four and five? We're in section two. Who are their pupils in the Manual for Teachers, paragraph four and five? Four and five. I can do it, Lori. Thanks, Judy. Time, really, then, goes backward to an instant so ancient that it is beyond all memory and past, even the possibility of remembering. Yet, because it is an instant that is relived again and again and still again, it seems to be now. And thus it is that the pupil and the teacher 
seem to come together in the present, finding each other as if they had never or had not met before. The pupil comes at the right time to the right place. This is inevitable. (laughs) Doesn't this all sound familiar? This is inevitable because he made the right choice in that ancient instant, which he now relives. So, has the teacher, too, made an inevitable choice out of an ancient past, God's will in everything, but seems to take time in the working out, what could delay the capital power of eternity? When pupil and teacher come together, a teaching-learning situation begins. For the teacher is not really the one who does the teaching. (laughs) God's capital teacher speaks to any two who join together for learning purposes. The relationship is holy because of that purpose, and God has promised to send capital his spirit into any holy relationship. In the teaching-learning situation, each one learns that giving and receiving are the same. The demarcations they have drawn between their roles, their minds, their bodies, their needs, their interests, and all the differences they thought separated them from one another fade and grow dim and disappear. Those who would learn the same course share one interest and one goal. And thus, he who was the learner becomes a teacher of God himself, for he has made the one decision that gave his teacher to him. He has seen in another person the same interests as his own. Amen. Thank you, Judy. And uh, let's see. Is there a new reader who'd like to read paragraph five? And then roll right into the next question. What are the levels of teaching? New reader? I can do it. Well, thanks, Harrison. Five, when pupil and teacher come together, a teaching learning situation begins. So the teacher is not really the one who does the teaching. God's teacher speaks to any two who join together for learning purposes. The relationship is whole because of that purpose. 
and God has promised to send his chapter spirit into any holy relationship. In the teacher learning situation, each one learns that giving and receiving are the same. The demarcation they have drawn between their roles, their minds, their bodies, their needs, their interests, and all the differences they thought separated them from one another fade and grow them and disappear. Those who would learn the same course share one interest and one goal, and thus he who was the learner becomes a teacher of God himself, for he has made the one decision that gave his teacher to him. He has seen in another person the same interest as his own. Three. What are the levels of teaching? One, the teachers of God have no set teaching level. Each teaching learning situation involves a different relationship at the beginning, although the ultimate goal is always the same to make of the relationship a holy relationship in which both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. There is no one from whom a teacher of God cannot learn so there is no one whom he cannot teach. However, from a practical point of view, he cannot meet everyone, nor can everyone find him. Therefore, the plan includes very specific contacts to be made for each teacher of God. There are no accidents in salvation. Those who are to meet will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. They are ready for each other. Thank you, Harrison. And would there be another new reader for paragraph one and two in section three of the manual?
All righty, back to you, Lamorne. Section three, what are the levels of teaching? The teachers of God have no set teaching level. Each teaching learning situation involves a different relationship at the beginning, although the ultimate goal is always the same, to make of the relationship a holy relationship in which both can look upon the Son of God as sinless. There is no one from whom a teacher of God cannot learn, so there is no one whom he cannot teach. However, from a practical point of view, he cannot meet everyone, nor can everyone find him. Therefore, the plan includes very specific contacts to be made for each teacher of God. There are no accidents in salvation. Those who are to meet will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. They are ready for each other. The simplest level of teaching appears to be quite superficial. It consists of what seem to be very casual encounters, a chance meeting of two apparent strangers in an elevator, a child who is not looking where he is going, running into an adult, seemingly by accident, two students who happen to walk home together. These are not chance encounters. Each of them has the potential for becoming a teaching-learning situation. Perhaps the seeming strangers in the elevator will smile to one another. Perhaps the man will not scold the child for bumping into it. Perhaps the students will become friends. Even at the level of the most casual encounter, it is possible for two people to lose sight of separate interests, if only for a moment. That moment will be enough. Salvation has come. Thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, and Fran. And for anyone who's joined us, excuse me, Fran, for anyone who's joined us late, we're reading in the Manual for Teachers. Um, she's uh, we're in paragraph or section three. What are the levels of teaching? And Fran's getting ready to read. Uh, I'm sorry, getting ready to read paragraph two and three. Thank you, Fran. Excuse me. Thank you. The simplest level of teaching appears to be quite superficial. It consists of what seem to be very casual encounters: a chance meeting of two apparent strangers in an elevator, a child who is not looking where he is going running into an adult, quote, by accident, unquote, two students who happen to walk home together. These are not chance encounters. Each of them has the potential for becoming a teaching-learning situation. Perhaps the seeming strangers in the elevator will smile to one another. 
Perhaps the man will not scold the child for bumping into him. Perhaps the students will become friends. Even at the level of the most casual encounter, it is possible for two people to lose sight of separate interests, if only for a moment. That moment will be enough. Salvation has come. Three. It is difficult to understand that levels of teaching the universal course is a concept as meaningless in reality as is time. The illusion of one permits the illusion of the other. In time, the teacher of God seems to begin to change his mind about the world with the single decision and then learns more and more about the new direction as he teaches it. We have covered the illusion of time already, but the illusion of levels of teaching seems to be something different. Perhaps the best way to demonstrate that these levels cannot exist is simply to say that any level of the teaching-learning situation is part of God's plan for atonement, and his plan can have no levels, being a reflection of his will. Salvation is always ready and always there. God's teachers work at different levels, but the result is always the same. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jessica. The result is always the same. And I thought... I thought that was four and five. No. Yeah, three and four. Oh, yeah, here we go. It's just a different, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. It is difficult to understand that levels of teaching, the universal course, is a concept as meaningless in reality as is time. Wow, that's a lot in one sentence. (laughs) The illusion of one permits the illusion of the other. In time, the teacher of God seems to begin to change his mind about the world with the single decision and then learns more and more about the new direction as he teaches it. We have covered the illusion of time already, but the illusion of levels of teaching seems to be something different. Perhaps the best way to demonstrate that these levels cannot exist is simply to say that any level of the teaching-learning situation is part of God's plan for atonement. And his plan can have no levels, being a reflection of his will. Salvation is always ready and always there. (laughs) God's teachers work at different levels, but the result is always the same. Four, each teaching learning situation is maximal in the sense that each person involved will learn the most that he can from the other person at that time. In this sense, and in this sense only, we can speak of levels of teaching. Using the term in this way, the second level of teaching is a more sustained relationship in which, for a time, two people 
enter into a fairly intense teaching-learning situation and then appear to separate. As with the first level, these meetings are not accidental, nor is what appears to be the end of the relationship a real end. Again, each has learned the most he can at the time. Yet all who meet will someday meet again, for it is the destiny of all relationships to become holy. God is not mistaken in his sight. Thank you, Jessica. Uh, and Judy. Yes, thank you, Lori. Each teach each teaching learning situation is maximal in the sense that each person involved will learn the most that he can from the other person at that time. In this sense, and in this sense only, we can speak of levels of teaching. Using the term in this way, the second level of teaching is a more sustained relationship in which, for a time, two people enter into a fairly intense teaching-learning situation and then appear to separate. As with the first level, these meetings are not accidental, nor is what appears to be the end of the relationship a real end. Again, each has learned the most he can at the time. Yet, all who meet will someday meet again, for it is the destiny of all relationships to become holy. I love that. God is not mistaken in his Son. The third level of teaching occurs in relationships which once they are formed are lifelong. These are teaching-learning situations in which each person is given a chosen learning partner who presents him with unlimited opportunities for learning. These relationships are generally few because their existence implies that those involved have reached a stage simultaneously in which the teaching-learning balance is actually perfect. This does not mean that they necessarily recognize this. In fact, they generally do not. They may even be quite hostile to each other for some time and perhaps for life. Yet should they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. And if they decide to learn that lesson, they become the saviors, the teachers, who falter and may even seem to fit. Wait a second. Yet should they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. And if they decide to learn that, le that lesson, 
they become the saviors of the teachers who falter and may even seem to fail. No teacher of God can fail to find the capital help he needs. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Uh, And Harrison, this last paragraph, and then we'll finish for today. The third level of teaching occurs in relationships which, once they are formed, are lifelong. These are teaching-learning situations in which each person is given a chosen learning partner to present him with unlimited opportunities for learning. These relationships are generally few because their existence implies that those involved have reached the stage simultaneously in which the teaching-learning balance is actually perfect. This does not mean that they necessarily recognize this. In fact, they generally do not. They may even be quite hostile to each other for some time and perhaps for life. Yet, should they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. And if they decide to learn that lesson, they become the saviors of the teachers who falter and may even seem to fail. No teacher of God can fail to find the help. Thank you, Harrison, and thank you everyone who read this morning from who are their teachers and what are their levels of teaching. Let's see, we have about five minutes before the top of the hour, Um, so maybe I'll just highlight a few of those sections that really speak to me. A few of those sentences. Who are their pupils? Well, time waits on his choice. That is the choice of the teacher. But not on whom he'll serve. When he is ready to learn, the opportunities to teach will be provided for him. When he is ready to learn. In that second paragraph, in order to understand the teaching learning plan of salvation, it's necessary to grasp the concept of time, which the Course sets forth. Atonement corrects illusions, but not the truth. Therefore, it corrects what never was. The third paragraph, the world of time is the world of illusions. What happened long ago seems to be happening now. Because your will is free, you can accept what has already happened at any time you choose, and only then will you realize it was always there. 
As the course emphasizes, you are not free to choose the curriculum or even the form in which you will learn it. You are free, however, to decide when you want to learn it. And as you accept it, it is already learned. In that fifth paragraph, when the pupil and teacher come together, a teaching learning situation begins. For the teacher is not really the one who does the teaching. God's capital teacher speaks 22 who join together for learning purposes. The relationship is holy because of that purpose. And God has promised to send his spirit into any holy relationship. Those who would learn the same course share one interest and one goal. And thus he who was the learner becomes the teacher of God himself for he's made the one decision that gave his teacher to him. He has seen in another person the same interests as his own. If you pause one second, please. Thank you, my little dog just couldn't wait for me. <laughs> what are the levels of teaching? The teachers of God have no set teaching level. There is no one from whom a teacher of God cannot, cannot learn, so there is no one whom he cannot teach. The plan includes very specific contacts to be made for each teacher of God. There are no accidents in salvation. Those who are to meet will meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. They are ready for each other. The simplest level of teaching is, appears to be quite simple, superficial. It consists of what seem to be very casual encounters. These are not chance encounters. Even at the level of the most casual encounter, it is possible for two people to lose sight of separate interests, if only for a moment. That moment will be enough. Salvation has come. In that third paragraph, it's difficult to understand that levels of teaching the universal course is a concept is meaningless in reality as in time. Perhaps the best way to demonstrate that these levels cannot exist is simply to say that any level of a teaching learning situation is part of God's plan for atonement. and His plan can have no levels being a reflection of his will. I think that's where I'll stop this little summary. And because we've reached the top of the hour, I'm going to turn it over to you, Fran, where we can reflect again on what is the ego, and I am affected only by my thoughts. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. We are still in the second part of the workbook. The theme that we're on is what is the ego. And today's lesson is Lesson 338. I am affected only by my thoughts. So I shall read some from What is the Ego, and then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. Okay. What is the ego? The ego is idolatry, the sign of limited and separated self, born in a body, doomed to suffer, and to end its life and death. 
It is the will that sees the will of God as enemy and takes a form in which it is denied. The ego is the quote-unquote proof that strength is weak and love is fearful. Life is really death and what opposes God alone is true. The ego is insane. In fear, it stands beyond the everywhere, apart from all, in separation from the infinite. In its insanity, it thinks it has become a victor over God himself. And in its terrible autonomy, it sees the will of God has been destroyed. It dreams of punishment and trembles at the figures in its dreams. It's enemies who seek to murder it before it can ensure its safety by attacking them. The son of God is ego-less. We'll go over to the lesson now. Lesson 338. I am affected only by my thoughts. It needs for this to let salvation come to all the world. For in this single thought is everyone released at last from fear. Now he has learned that no one frightens him and nothing can endanger him. He has no enemies and he is safe from all external things. His thoughts can frighten him, but since these thoughts belong to him alone, he has the power to change them and exchange each fear thought for a happy thought of love. He crucified himself, yet God has planned that his beloved son will be redeemed. Your plan is sure, my father, only yours. All other plans will fail, and I will have thoughts that will frighten me until I learn that you have given me the only thought which leads to salvation. Mine alone will fail and leave me nowhere. But the thought you gave me promises to lead me home because it holds your promise to your son. Lesson 338, I am affected only by my thoughts. Five minutes.
Lesson 338, I am affected only by my thoughts. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, friend. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Yes, friend, you're a great teacher of God. Thank you. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Mrs. Fran, um, this reminds me so much of the beginning of my spiritual journey. I told this before, and I won't do the details uh, again, <laughs> but I was very sick and had been in the hospital twice, and no one knew what was wrong with me. And I went to my friend, who was a Christian scientist, and asked her to help me. I felt like I was dying. And she gave me the book and told me a section to read. And it said, the prayer that heals the sick and saves the sinner is the prayer that all things are possible to God. A spiritual understanding, an unselfed love. And whoa, my mind went to a different place that it had never been before or that I ever noticed. And I knew that I was okay. And my body wasn't okay yet. But I walked through the next couple of days knowing that I was fine. And I became fine. And I went back to my doctor and he said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it because you're getting better. And I realized that my mind had changed. And I was affected only by my thoughts. And my body kicked in. <laughs> it was the beginning of the spiritual journey for me. I studied Christian science for a long time and still, still love Christian science. All right, I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Fran. I just open up a little bit more every time I hear you hear you share it thank you me too love it Fran I wonder if you could repeat that that line the very first line the mind that opens up to this da 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 please you mean the line the line from the textbook that I read yeah yes yeah it was the spiritual understanding the prayer that heals the sick and saves the sinner is the spiritual understanding of God. 
a spiritual understanding and an unself love. To God, all things are possible. Whoa, my mind just shot up, went in a different place. But it had probably been there before, but I didn't notice it. You know, that's what I think. Because I was always, as a kid, wondering what was going on around here. (laughs) So anyway, thank you. Thanks for asking. Thank you so much. This is Mindy. Thank you, Fran, for that. There was one word I didn't get. Something about it's something self-love. Could you um, could you just read that whole thing over one more time? And I don't know if it was its own self-love, but would you please read it one more time? I'm not reading it. I, I memorized it, so I'll try to do it right again. Oh. <laughs> the prayer that heals the sick and saves the sinner is the prayer that all things are possible to God. A spiritual understanding of him and an unself love. An unself love? Unself. Small S. Oh. That self. That self. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And when I started to study The Course in Miracles, I realized how similar Christian science was to The Course in Miracles. And now, this is funny, on Facebook, there's a group, Christian Science Meets A Course in Miracles. (laughs) I'm complete. (laughs) Oh, isn't that something? (laughs) Thanks, Fran. Isn't that something? should not surprise me. Yeah. Um, This is Jessica. I just want to say, friend, I'm in my car right now, but I just want to say that your voice and, um, you know, obviously the lessons and the readings and and this quote from Christian Science are all very beautifully inspired by God, but your voice in the delivery is incredibly loving and soothing, and I so appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I've come come to associate your voice with peace, too, Fran. It's, it's very beautiful. Oh, oh thank you and so warm. much. You guys are making my and day. And fun. <laughs> thank you. Oh, me too, Fran. It's so... Um, Soothing. It's so clear that you've embraced these these principles and you're living them and you've opened your heart to them and I I do feel it. My only request is that maybe you do it a little slower with a little pause between each sentence because sometimes I'm just waking up and this is the first time I'm hearing it and I'd love for you to savor each sentence and take your time. Um, it's just it's just such a pleasure. I really thank you so much. You do bring a lot All right, to the table. That. Thank you.
Chaque mois à nous. I have some notes that I wrote. I've been writing over the years about this lesson. I'm attracted only by my thoughts. My first note was, this is how to be free of suffering any time. My second note, I take responsibility for my experience by taking responsibility for my thoughts. I take responsibility for my experience by taking responsibility for my thoughts. No. My plan. One. Minimize pain. Two. Maximize pleasure. Thought number three. The cause of suffering is eternal. It is my mind's decision for guilt and unforgiveness. For my problems are not outside. But my thoughts about what is outside is my problem. Finally, I can do something about my thoughts. I can change my thoughts. And by changing my thoughts, I change my dreams. I am affected only by my thoughts. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. That was powerful. Thanks, Harrison. That that led me to the thought of, if I don't like something outside of me, it's my thought that I don't like. That's a little cold water in my face, but (laughs) I'm putting it closer together all the time. Thank you. Good point. Thank, 
morning. It's Karen. Um, I had this uh, meditation on Friday night. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I don't know what was on my mind, but I I guess I was just sick, and I was worried about going to babysit for the weekend and what to do, and, you know, kind of having a moment of catastrophic thinking, you know, fear thoughts. And all of a sudden, I heard in the air, I don't know what anything means. And then I heard again, I don't know what anything, including this, means. And then I heard, um, I have given the situation all the meaning that it has for me. And I sat with that for a while, and I was really stunned how, you know, the Holy Spirit brought those thoughts to mind. And then I had this other thought that came, and it said, I really did make this world because it's all subjective interpretation. And it feels like this lesson that my thoughts, you know, that I'm responsible for my thoughts, is just a, it's just an illustration of what was happening that night. It felt like if I interpret this thing as scary and bad, I'm sick and I've got to go do this and how am I going to blah, 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 blah. If I interpret that, then it's a problem. But instead, because because I had that, I don't know, spiritual insight in that moment, I felt calm and I just felt like it was turned over to the Holy Spirit. And it, and it was out of my hands, and it was given over to God. And, and I actually felt instantly better, temporarily, you know, temporarily. But it was instant relief. And lately I've been going around, and my mantra is, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you so much, God, for loving me. And I love you so much, God. I'm so grateful that you love me. And it just feels like... Instead of all my life feeling like I'm not good enough, I'm a bad person, you know, I, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm such a sinner. It's such a huge turnaround. And it feels very appropriate because in the beginning of the, of the lessons in the, in the course, it's the deconstruction of the ego thoughts, and it starts with the same lesson. You know, I've given my thoughts all the meaning that they have for me. And... Here we are at the end of the workbook, and we're back to the same concept. And it's like a child of God can create their real their reality. A child of God can create the world they're in. Can really create their own world. And it's like it's still sinking in. It's still I'm still a work in progress. I mean, believing in my it's still a work in progress. Forgiving myself is still a work in progress. I still progress it or project it on the outside world. But from where we started, it's, it's light years, light years away. And um, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for this call. I'm grateful for the truth of the Course and the Course itself. And I'm grateful for all of you, brothers and sisters, who are with me on this journey and helping me and my teachers, you know, my my teachers on this call 
And I love that we are not in a one-up situation, you know. And even though our experience and our uh, time studying is varied, the course doesn't set us up like, you know, who's one-up is better. So I love the teacher's manual that we read today. And I am complete, but I just want to say, please keep my granddaughter, Tali, in prayer because I was so sick this weekend, and just when I left, she had, and I just left a few minutes ago before the fall, she had a 99.9 fever, and she was coughing. So please keep her in in prayer that she doesn't get sick, especially sick from me. But my daughter would have killed me if I canceled. So thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for everything yeah, you shared. You, you bet. I'll share that intention with you. So thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. And um, there's nothing your holiness and your granddaughter's holiness cannot do. Um, and um, I just want to say I'm in the car now, so I, I don't remember the exact words. But in the reading, it says uh, something to the effect of when you're ready to learn, the student will appear. The teaching opportunity will show up. And that's such a beautiful illustration of giving and receiving are one, you know, that, that the, um, the student and the teacher are both, of course, learning always, everywhere. And it's so good to remember that and, and emphasize that. And also that, that what, what is required of me is the willingness to learn. And then I am a messenger of God and I'm a minister of God and I can, I can join the legions of ministers of God. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jessica. That was a phenomenal takeaway right there. Big, big, big stuff. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jessica. That's that's right up there with... um, I think he follows it with, and the teacher, um, and, and the teacher is the Holy Spirit who does the teaching. You know, <laughs> teachers raised to learn, the opportunities to learn, but the teacher isn't the teacher. The teacher is capital T teacher, um, in whom we find our equality. So, thank you, Jessica. Yeah, I'm really loving this reading today. It's like everything else in the Course in Miracles. Uh, it's like a thousand-petaled lotus. Every time you return, it's a little more beautiful, a little more full, a little more.
inclusive and comprehensive and and simple all at the same time. Um, today I'm reminded of an early lesson. Remember lesson 42? Is God is my strength and vision is, is his gift. And in that lesson, you guys, it says something just really straightforward and perfect as it is, is reflected in today's reading, today's lesson. That In that lesson it says, your day is not at random. Your day is not at random. You cannot but be in the right place at the right time. Such is the strength of God and such are his gifts. The passage through time and space is not at random. Such is the strength of God and such are his gifts. When I... Um, when I consider that, when I consider that, um, it seems as though my being is set instantly in right relationship. Oh, just as right as as the planet that turns among the planets around the sun. You know, everything is just perfect. I cannot but be in the right place at the right time, such as the strength of God. Tomorrow we're going to talk about trust. And, and when I can really um, make real to my mind, make real to my mind, I cannot but be in the right place at the right time, such as the strength of God, such are his gifts. Then I can um, consider everything that happens Every situation I'm in, every um, situation I think I'm in, <clears throat> put it that way, um, as something of a gift, something God's given me. And the other thing that really helps me in regard to uh, this reading today and everything about the Course in Miracles is that my mind can only serve you know, I think when I'm when I'm thinking like an ego, of course I'm entirely in the the getting. You know, everything's about getting, 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 striving to get. But when I'm in right relationship with my Creator, I'm also in the right place at the right time, such as His strength. Um, my mind is in a position where it recognizes it can only serve and that I can always choose what I want to serve. Do I want to serve truth or do I want to serve illusion? Do I want my thoughts to reflect truth or do I want my thoughts to reflect illusion? And it's always a choice. It's, it's always a choice, but the consequences... <laughs> Are entirely different the two ways of thinking <clears throat> remember on Friday I think it was I said Christ mind is teaching us to associate misery with the ego and joy with the soul and when my mind is in right relationship to the Holy Spirit of course I have a different experience for everything and now I start to understand what he means when he says I can be affected only by my thoughts 
If my thoughts are serving truth, I have one experience. If my thoughts are serving ego goals, I have a different experience, standing alone apart from the everywhere. He says, I have a different experience. I'm really grateful, Karen, to have heard you say, we we read this at the beginning. I'm affected only by my thoughts. I've given everything I see all the meaning and it asks for me. And here we are again. Lesson three. I looked at the number this morning. I thought exactly the same thought. Lesson 338. Here we are. It's the same exact place. I am affected only by my thoughts. And here he starts right out of the gate. I am safe from everything external. Doesn't that just um, reflect the, the notion that if it's external to me, I've given it all the meaning it has for me? If it's external to me, where am I? Something's external to me. Where am I? Becomes the question. Something's external to me. Where am I? Well, if something's external to me, then I've limited myself to a body, huh? Yeah? If it's external to me, I've limited myself to a body. Lee and I were talking a few years ago about the potency of the first 50 lessons as they're reflected in the review. And as we were talking... um, we were talking about the outcome of of those very powerful lessons. And, and it occurred to me that their potency, the power of those first 15 lessons are limited to some extent by the notion that the mind in that position is thinking of itself as in a body. Those first 50 lessons, especially lessons like God is my strength, vision is his gift, are invitations for me to realize I'm mind. The truth of me is mind. I'm not an ego, you know. And the ego-body illusion is part and parcel of each other. It's the ego-body illusion always goes together. But if I am mind, if my reality is mind, then the importance of watching my thoughts becomes really uh, critical. Because watching my thoughts is exactly like controlling the weather. No kidding. It really is. When I'm watching my thoughts, um, I can make weather in my mind. And when I'm watching my thoughts, I can choose what kind of weather I would like to enjoy. That's how powerful it is to realize I'm safe from anything external to me. Um, that's, um, I think that's what I wanted to say today. I think that's pretty much what I wanted to say today. Those two ideas that I can't be anywhere except in the right place at the right time. Such is the strength of God and such are his gifts. And to recognize the power of my thoughts, 
um, is what he means when he says this single thought, this single thought is salvation. The depth of the meaning of that simple statement uh, is what life is about. Uh, to discover the depth of that is what each day offered me uh, is intended for. Now I'm coming back to rules for decision now. <laughs> when we're talking about your day is not at random. Remember it started right out, rules for decision, your day is not at random. It's set by who's, with whom you choose to live it with. You know, the ego, of course, apart from the all and everywhere alone by itself, is going to have a different kind of day than the day I can have when I live my life with my guide, the Holy Spirit. And in that context, everyone who I meet, I mean, everyone. You know, salvation is, I remember thinking when I started um, doing this facilitating, I thought, you know, I could, I have so many miracles I could talk about. And the Holy Spirit said to me, they're relevant only to you. <laughs> and, and I thought, that's true enough. You know, that's true enough. Um, because every miracle that I share about um, is reflective of a particular point in time in a particular context, in a particular setting where my mind was given wholly to the Holy Spirit. And that's what every single instant is intended to be. Every single moment of every single day is uh, a miracle when you think about it. And at any point in time, he makes a point of that in this reading, at any point in time when one gives one's mind to the Holy Spirit to use, a miracle can come to heal God's Son. And that time is any time you choose, he says. And the instant that you choose it, you realize it was always there. So that means that any moment in time, my experience can be lit by holiness to such a degree that everything that went before is instantly forgotten. And everything my father would have me remember is instantly there. And when I walk through life with that awareness, I realize what a gift I have to share, not by me, not by me, but by the holiness that goes with me, always. Not because of anything I've done or anything I've remembered, but because the power of the Holy Spirit lights the mind, and it's the light that goes before us, you know? And, um, and we know that. We know that because we can hear it. And what do we hear it with? You know, when we say, Fran, I, I, I hear what you transmit, what do we hear that with? But our own holiness, you know? And, and so we recognize that with this light at the center, 
having answered the call with this light at the center it's a single light but that's enough and everywhere we go we meet other light and through that the light in the sonship the mind we share is strengthened um are we limited to a body is there something outside me that becomes the question I think uh, to be answered and when my mind is open uh, and I can receive that answer everything changes in an instant and it takes another being to participate with to allow that to happen <clears throat> yes the holy instant can come to me alone but a holy instant comes as a result of my desire for love and the desire for love is a desire for a lover for the beloved for a subject of love and that's how we become God's gifts to each other and um, and awaken in each other that desire um, for fulfillment and love I don't mean to go all metaphysical about this but that's the power of thought and um, and I think I wanted to reflect that um, when I give my mind to Holy Spirit a whole different caliber of thought comes and we all know that too <laughs> and recognize uh, that thought and it's that thought that uh, takes us home so anyway I'm complete thanks you guys thank you so much Lori thank you beautiful thank you Lori thank you Thank you, Lori. That was so magnificent. Thank you, Lori. That was just fantastic. Thank you, thank you for a reminder. Good morning. Thank you, Lori. That really the call for love and the thoughts and all. I, you know, I realize that sometimes when I'm sitting here and receiving something, um, all of a sudden something a thought will come in. I'm not even aware of the exact thought, but it's a thought that's on the subconscious level. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm in a place where I'm feeling empty or deprived or depressed, and I saw that I wanted to get angry at myself for going there when I just a moment had been in basking in our lesson and the energy that Fran and, and all of us created. And I realized, gosh, I'm punishing an innocent little thing that's calling for love and to forgive myself for having that thought. And the ego is in pain and needs love. And it's interesting how I make it the bad guy 
instead of realizing it's a call for love inside of me. Um, it's at the opposite end of like, my consciousness. Who is the one who is noticing? And when my consciousness notices this, this depression, this lack of love, this and and it's really it's just a part of of the self that's expressing from the capital S self, and it just is basically on the opposite spectrum of the scale of oneness with God. That that who my true self really is. I'm I'm just somehow identifying with that part that feels so far away from the love that I am and the love that God is, and so. I owe it love, not censure, not resistance, not hate, not, oh, go away. It's like, oh, come here, let me love you. Let me let, let the part of me that is aware of God's love and that I am love and that is bigger than this love you. So, wow. That <laughs> was a good catch, <laughs> a really good catch on my part. And um, oh, I can't. Let me let me take just a moment and see. If there was something that you just said that was like the other end of that. Well, it's not coming to me, so that means means that probably somebody has something to share about what I just said. So it's not coming to me. The other, the other second half. Thank you. I'm complete. Thanks, Mindy. Morning, everyone. Charles here. Um, I'm affected only by my thoughts. Um, most of the time, I really don't believe that because um, I feel thoughts of others affect me, especially when I hear them sharing. And I feel affected by their sharing. But I don't see behind the scenes of my agreement or disagreements, my desire for what to be true and what not to be true. Because I determine what is true for me. And I also have a critic within me constantly uh, a separate voice, you might say. And I know the Holy Spirit is the voice for God. And so I always question my truths according to how I believe things should be or how things should, my understanding is. And so this lesson speaks to me today about only my thoughts affect me. Um, not what somebody else says or shares unless I choose to disagree with them or I choose to see things differently. Uh, unless I choose to give my power to someone else to determine how I feel. Then it's always my choice. And when I realize it's my choice, it's my freedom. And when I choose, it's my freedom to choose 
then I give my choice to the Holy Spirit, who knows what my true freedom is all about. Who knows to choose for God, for the infinite nature of who I am, who we all are as aware beings, who we all are as the truth of who we are, as one heart, one light, one love. Uh, so that I can dissolve all the, the smallness I think with, the littleness I understand with, and to reconnect to the sense of truth that we all are joined in the light of awareness itself. We're all lit by one light, by one love. We're all enlivened by the same life. Um, but I do get lost in my understanding. I do get lost in my littleness. And I do struggle with it. So I'm not there at the moment, but I do realize that it is me doing it to myself. And so to me, that's a freedom. Realizing that I am not affected by anybody else's thoughts except my thoughts I hold within myself about what I'm experiencing. And I have a choice to lean to my own understanding or ask for the Holy Spirit's uh, correction of the thoughts I'm having or the choices I'm making. Uh, just thought I'd share that. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Charles. So I'm sure your vigilance, will be, your vigilance will be rewarded, I know. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sarah. I, I love that word freedom. Freedom from the bondage to the little, the little self. Um, I'm sorry, I missed some of the call today, some of the shares. But um, what you just shared, Charles, and what what um, Harrison shared about um, I'm. I'm responsible for what I think, for what I think affects, that word affect refers to feelings and emotions, um, and that all, all that um, mini-me thinking, limited egoic thinking, um, belief that I am a person in a body with a separate mind, personal thoughts with personal interpretations, of what reality is from a limited point of view or perspective is illusory. That Judy alone in her solitude by herself doesn't know what anything is. She has a mistaken sense of appraisal, of illusory belief in a separate mind that exists in a body. And what the Course has taught me is that I am that I am capital thought, one, the one Son of God. I am Christ consciousness itself. That when God created me as an extension of himself, he gave me all that was himself as one, one in the same spirit and mind. And that 
does not exist in the body or is confined or limited to the body. So dispossessing my, my body as my home was the first thing I had to really experientially had to come to understand by attending to the stillness that the Christ in me is very still. The language of God is stillness itself, that everything dances in that stillness, appears in and returns to all appearances, all that seems to be. And the the teach in the teacher's manual I love the way they the way it, it, it expresses the equanimity of everything. Everything being able to teach me, restore me to the awareness of the truth of who I am. That I can find it in a little little beetle bug or a stone or a cloud or a wave or any person, no matter what they know or don't know. It's, it's clearly seeing the truth that's the experience in any given moment, any holy instant, the awareness and open-mindedness to love something as myself. I love so much what Fran shared with us today, and I have, I have um, um, a great, my greatest desire is to know the truth of who I am. Those sacred holy words, be still and know I am. I am that I am. That is what I am in truth. And that sees everything as itself. Capital that sees everything as capital itself. Holiness sees holiness. Everything is holiness itself. Its oneness and sameness does not have different parts or any differences or distinctions in itself. That's without all perception. When perception is ended and all, 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 uh, all learning is undone, all the learning of all the worldly knowledge of what the world thinks is true, names and places and shapes and sizes, colors, distinctions of any kind, differences or distances, space and time do not apply to who and what I am. Those sacred, holy words, I am, is beyond space and time. Space and time is within it, and all its expressions are within it. And to understand that, the difference between who the I am affected only by my thoughts is referring to is the illusory self-concept of Judy. Judy who, as an ego, claims those sacred holy words, I am, and says they're hers. This is I, me, and mine. This belongs to me. This is mine and not yours. This is me and not me. It makes everything other than or something other than her. Everything is separate and outside of her. And that's the ego's perception. That is what perception is. 
an instrument of perception, perceiving things as other than itself. The illusion that the, the instrument of perception, the body, is the mistake in our self-appraisal. We are not that instrument. We are the light that sees through the instrument. We are the presence that the instrument is within as a part of it, another object of perception within the holy mind that doesn't perceive us as an object of perception. It it has no perception whatsoever in it. It just sees us as an extension of light and love and happiness and peace all together as one, holiness itself. There's no fear in that. And the distinction the lesson brings out to me is the fear that's inherent in being a separate mind apart from God. Because all thoughts of perception, all thoughts are fragments, changing. All perceptions are changing. Sight, sound, touch. Feelings, thoughts and feelings come and go, they change. Who and what I am is changeless, changelessly, joyfully happy, peaceful, content, desires nothing, needs nothing. Judy's in it all, (laughs) but Judy's not it. Powerful lesson, but I love the equanimity in, in, in and among us all that any one of us can teach any one of us the truth of who I am, what the words, holy words, be still and know I am actually mean. I am its love itself, the holy relationship, one in its understanding totally to understand totality. There's no place where it's not. There's absolutely no place where it's not. You can't leave it. There's nowhere to go. Everywhere we go, there there I am. Those holy words, there I am, is everywhere I go with me, in communion with me, in the awareness of my, the awareness of the totality of my reality. Everything is perfectly available to me is a gift to me as itself, as its capital self. Totally available, totally open, totally welcoming. The universal call of love to love to be itself. Awesome words. And I say awesome with all the reverence in my heart and mind and soul. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. You touched a lot of bases. Is there anyone who'd like to share who hasn't had an opportunity before we end this recording? We'd love to hear from you.
Anyone? Okay. This is Lemoyne. There you are. Thank you. And I just, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I think there is something of, uh, I think the thing to emphasize here is, is just the simplicity, the complication are created by this uh, false notion of separation leading to if this then that thinking seeming to make uh, time necessary and that there then must be levels <laughs> levels of acceptance and, um, and different forms of love and that uh, you know the course teaching is that <laughs> I think in the, I, I think of it as a summary because it's what brought me here it might be useful but it's basically just saying over and over again all at one and so to this discussion of uh, levels and roles and um, seeming forms of relationship, I think to emphasize my one thing that I love <laughs> to emphasize, probably trying to teach it to myself, <laughs> yeah, that the ego is not overcome by destruction but by a quiet melting in. So that the part of the mind, the one mind that believes it's separate, just returns to the kingdom. Merely returns to the kingdom. And that's all. Yeah. But the word, the words can't really express it fully, but uh, just the, uh, want to emphasize the simplicity and the uh, centrality of that first totally emphasized sentence and rules for decision. Do not fight yourself. And that's what a fear thought is. Do not fight yourself. Anyway, huh? Please. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you for emphasizing that simplicity. I appreciate that. Thank you, Lemoyne. Love hearing from you. Well, I, I wanted to uh, offer uh, two thoughts. That, um, in, in looking at the power of thoughts to influence my mind. I find chapter four, uh, section four, love without conflict, and section five, escape from fear. Very, very, very helpful. 
um, to help me recognize that it is my thoughts that determine the caliber of my experience in life. Uh, those two sections are very, very helpful, as is um, my lesson, the lesson 190. <clears throat> Having had a very long uh, dark spell in my life, I find this lesson very, very helpful because it says, I choose, I choose, I'm free to choose the joy of God instead of pain. In that lesson, uh, here's an astounding paragraph. Absolutely earth-shattering. It is your thoughts alone that cause you pain. Nothing external to your mind can hurt you or injure you in any way. There is no cause beyond yourself that can reach down and bring oppression. No one but yourself affects you. No one, there is nothing in the world which has the power to make you ill or sad or weak or frail. But it is you who have the power to dominate all things you see merely by recognizing what you are. This weekend we had a lesson on accepting atonement for myself. It's also emphasized in our reading today how the atonement corrects illusions. merely by recognizing what you are. As you perceive the harmlessness in them, they will accept your holy will as theirs. And what was seen as fearful now becomes a source of innocence and holiness. Going on in that same lesson, lay down your arms, he says, and come without defense into the quiet place where heaven's peace holds all things still at last. Lay down all thoughts of danger and of fear. Let no attack enter with you. Lay down the cruel sword of judgment that you hold against your throat and put aside the withering assaults with which you seek to hide your holiness. Here will you understand there is no pain. Here the joy of God belongs to you. This is a day to realize the lesson which contains all salvation's power. It is this. Pain is illusion. Joy is reality. Pain is but sleep. Joy is awakening. Pain is deception. Joy alone is truth. So again, we make the only choice that ever can be made between illusions and the truth, pain or joy, or heaven and hell. Let our gratitude until our teacher fill our hearts as we are free to choose our joy instead of pain, our holiness in place of sins, the peace of God instead of conflict, and the light of heaven for the darkness of the world. I am affected only by my thoughts. Amen. Hope you guys all have a wonderful day having started it out like this. Um, you're all part of my set, and I'm grateful. So have a wonderful day. Well, in the recording, uh, but as is true, we typically stay on just to visit some more about this, and I can stay for about another 20 minutes this morning. So. <clears throat>